0: Live on Mondays from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock p.m., you're listening to The Spin Room on WGMU Radio.
1: Listen to the great interviews. Is this Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam on the phone?
0: Hey, yes, yeah, Ralph. Is this Eric?
1: Yes, sir. Informative talks.
2: A lot of protesting going on from a lot of different individuals. We just want to know what your take on that whole situation is right here.
1: And find out ways to get involved on and off campus. We love you know, we love all the help we're already getting from some great folks at GMU, and we'd love to have more support there as well.
2: Now, to the show.
1: Here's Alexis and Eric. Good afternoon, Mason Patriots, and welcome back to The Spin Room. My name is Eric. And I
2: am Alexis. Happy Monday and happy February. We are in February, even though it might not seem like how cold it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely still feels like December to me.
1: (laughs) We haven't left.
2: (laughs) Ready for warm weather, ready for the cherry blossoms to come out. Mm -hmm. I'm counting down the days, Eric. I'm counting down the days. (laughs) And we have a wonderful, wonderful show planned for you today. Mm -hmm. Are you so excited? I am very excited. So we are
1: always discussing politics, pop culture Mm -hmm. and everything in between. But today we are bringing you a special guest. So her name is Lindsay Davis Stover. And if you would like to introduce yourself for a second, that'd be wonderful. Sure.
0: Thank you all so much for having me. It's great to be with you and really excited to be here.
2: We are excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your life before deciding to run for Congress, the big seat. What made you decide to run?
0: Sure. Well, um, my story actually begins with my mom. I was raised by a single mom that worked really damn hard uh, to make ends meet. And uh, at the age of 12 is the first time I can remember hearing uh, the clicks of her adding machine uh, in the middle of the night coming from our, our kitchen. Uh, she worked to uh, figure out a way to, to pay our bills. And at age 14 was the first time I ever got a job. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working two jobs in high school to help mm-hmm. my mom pay for a few bills and really help save for the chance for me to go to college and I'm actually running for Congress right now. My husband and I are paying off over $81,000 worth of student oh my uh, debts, and I know it, you all know how that can feel, <laughs> <Absolutely>. how crippling <laughs> student debt can be, uh, but you know, I'm running for Congress because my story isn't a unique story. There are millions of people out there working two and three jobs and still you know, struggling to make ends meet, and uh, I think it's important now more than ever, that we work uh, to ensure that our leaders in Washington are able to really lift our families up. And uh, for me, it created great opportunity. Um, my mom worked really hard, and I got the chance to go to college. And I got the chance to serve in AmeriCorps VISTA, which you know most people refer to as the Domestic Peace Corps. Uh, it's an organization uh, that helps communities throughout the country. And then I got the chance to serve as chief of staff on Capitol Hill and work on some really important policy. Uh, And I got the chance, in fact, the honor of a lifetime to serve as a senior advisor in the Obama administration working on veterans policy. And uh, now I have the chance to own a small business here in Fairfax County and raise my two daughters who are ages six and eight and hopefully give them a little bit more chances than I was able to have growing up.
1: So as you were discussing, you began working at 14 and you held two jobs during high school to help pay for your education and also help with the family. You then went to Baylor University and earned a master's degree before attending Harvard for a second master's in public administration. And you also held positions that promoted STEM and education for students just like yourself. So quite a long-winded way of introducing the question, but how has education and the pursuit of education affected your life?
0: Absolutely. My my mom's a public school teacher, was for many years. In fact, she still teaches school today uh, in Houston. And education was really uh, the vehicle uh, in my family to provide opportunity. And so education for me in particular has been incredibly important in my life. And uh, now as a mother who has two daughters in public education, I think it's now more than ever we've got to work to strengthen our public schools and to make college more affordable for students and for families and invest in community school programs and apprenticeship programs as well uh, because we shouldn't have families who are crippled with With student debt, my husband and I make a joke. We hope we get ours paid off before we have to send our own kids to college. Uh, But it's it's a serious uh, joke, and uh, you know it's something that many families across this country are struggling with. And a lot of families are having to make that decision of, do we help, you know, save a little bit to help our kids go to college or save for retirement? Because most families right now, unfortunately, can't do both. And it's something as a country, uh, a, a policy problem that we need to tackle and solve. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. It's sad that we have to make that choice between um, sending your kids to receive an education that they need to have a good job or making sure you can live comfortably for the rest of your life. That's I mean I'm glad I'm not in that position right now but I can't imagine having to make that choice. So, on your website, you mentioned that your grandfather served in the military. Did that shape you to want to work
0: in the Office of the Department of Veterans Affairs? It did. It did. My grandfather is a World War II veteran, and he grew up on a cotton farm uh, in a small town outside of Waco, Texas, and actually hitchhiked uh, to Camp Hood, uh, Fort Hood, which is the largest Army installation in the country right now, to join the Army and served in World War II and came home and was of the generation that never asked for help. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until his late 80s, in fact, when he could no longer do his two favorite things, which were to walk down to the end of the driveway and pick up the newspaper every day and go to Sunday school on Sunday mornings that led us to go to the VA for the first time. And we really just went to the VA to seek assistance in helping him become more mobile uh, so that he had a better quality of life and could do the things that he enjoyed. And it was incredibly hard to navigate the large bureaucracy of the VA. And through that process, I really became his advocate. I would fly down uh, to take him to his VA appointments once he got into the VA. And it was an incredible experience for him because he didn't talk a lot about his time in the war, but when he walked into the doors of a VA hospital and was greeted by other veterans in the waiting room, especially younger veterans, it was just incredible to see him come alive and feel comfortable sharing his experiences. So that really led, to me, led me to want to be an advocate for all veterans and was able to serve as chief of staff on Capitol Hill to a congressman who was chairman of the Military Construction and Veterans Appropriations Subcommittee and we were able to pass some of the most important pieces of legislation for veterans, uh, to include the John David Fry Scholarship, which gives every young person who loses a father or mother um, in combat since 9-11 a full paid college tuition. And it also led me to uh, join the Obama administration and serve at the VA, where I was able to work on two really important projects. One was to reduce veteran homelessness And the other was to increase access to care for women veterans. Many people don't realize but women veterans are the fastest growing veteran population today. So we worked on everything from taking care of the care to ensure women had physicians available, Uh, at the VA to also changing the culture to ensure that when a woman walked through the doors of a VA hospital, she wasn't asked for her husband's (laughs) DD-214, but she was asked for hers. Uh, So the Obama administration did some really important work in regards to helping women veterans in particular get additional access to care.
1: And I'm sure that you saw this during your time, that with veterans, we need to make sure that they get the utmost care, serving our country, serving the military so with distinct honor, that we need to make sure that they are taken care of at the end.
0: Yes. And I think, too, it's not only making sure they get the care that they deserve, but it's that they get the care that they fought for our country and they earned. And I think that's the important piece is they've earned this care. Mm -hmm. And that is our, our promise as a country that we need to keep to them.
1: So now hitting more into the general congressional run before hitting your platform. So you announced your candidacy April of last year for Virginia's 10th congressional district against Representative Barbara Comstock. And this isn't the first time getting involved with elections for yourself. During the last election cycle just recently, you hosted weekly phone banks at your house for Hillary Clinton and Representative Comstock's challenger, Lou Anne Bennett. So why did you decide to run now?
0: Well. It's important. You know, I've always been active politically because I think it's just so important that we stay interested, we stay energized, and we stay activated. Uh, so I was grateful to host those phone banks uh, last cycle uh, for Lou Ann Bennett and for Hillary Clinton. I also served on Hillary Clinton's policy team during the campaign for mm-hmm. veterans uh, and been asked to serve on her transition team for the VA. And I just thought it was incredibly important that election. More than ever was was so critical, and I think now we we recognize just how critical it was. Mm-hmm. And running for office was not something I ever thought I would do. I've spent my career in policy, and uh, have always been fascinated by how government can really help people and and the need for government to to lift families up. So I actually never thought I'd run for office, uh, but I think we're in a time right now, in particular, when we're all doing things we never thought we'd do. Mm -hmm. Whether it's uh, marching in the streets, whether it's door knocking, phone banking, uh, we're in a moment of time where we're all having to do things we we never thought we'd do before. Can you talk
2: more about how this last prior election, 2016 election, and then also the 2017 Virginia election, how it shaped you and how it helped you to decide?
0: Sure, you know, I think um, as many people uh, after the election in, in 2016, I was devastated and uh, fell to my knees many times. Could not believe the, the situation that, that we were in. And I think for me, what has been most inspiring and what we saw time and time again throughout the 2017 election cycle was that everyone, again, are doing things that we never thought we'd do before and stepping up in ways that we haven't done. And, and years past. And I think you know, that's, that's a testament to Virginia, the energy that we have. Um, people are fired up, they're motivated. And you know, when all of the pundits were questioning whether or not this momentum could last for two years, I think Virginia, we've proven that it absolutely can last. And we're taking it into 2018 to ensure that we can take back the seat in Virginia 10. It's one of the most important seats in the country. It's going to be a national race because uh, many have said that we're not able, as Democrats, to take back the House if we don't take back Virginia 10. And so I think Virginians know how important this particular race is, uh, not only for us here in Virginia, but how important it is for our country.
1: Virginia 10 will be an absolutely contested race, everyone will be watching this, but now so let's discuss more about the platform and really getting into the nitty gritties as you love policy. So aside from just the veterans, you also have a great expertise in national security, an issue more pressing than ever. So with rising threats from North Korea and many Americans not feeling safe from terrorism domestic and abroad, what would you bring to Congress?
0: Well, I think we've got to put courage back into Congress. Um, You know, we are in a time right now where, unfortunately, we could go to war over Twitter. Um, And we need to recognize that uh, we play a leadership role in the world. And it's important that we um, lead in a way that, quite honestly, reflects our values. And currently, we're not doing that. So, you know, for me, I I don't believe we should ever um, even just consider the idea of going to war with also uh, not considering the fact that we need to uh, care for those men and women when we come home. And I think all eyes are on our country and it's important that we conduct ourselves in a way that truly reflects our values and who we are as a country.
2: Earlier you mentioned that your mother was a public school teacher and that she still is. Can you talk more about uh, how education is a big part of your platform and if you would like to see anything change within the public education system?
0: Yes, you know, I think we've got to strengthen our public schools. Uh, right now our public schools are under attack. And we talk a lot about universal kindergarten and Virginia 10, but I actually think we need to take it a step further and we need to really invest in universal pre-K to ensure that our, our kids have a head start on a changing world and a changing economy. And I also think we need to invest more in community school programs, uh, apprenticeship programs, so that we can better prepare, prepare our workforce uh, for a changing economy. And again, we really have to work to make college more affordable for families. Uh, right now, uh, Donald Trump has proposed a budget uh, that would cut important programs for students, like work-study, by 50 percent. 50 percent. Uh, I can say that I probably wouldn't be sitting here with the two of you today had I not had the ability to have work study while I was in college. So for me I think we've got to prioritize education both in uh, public schools but also uh, making college more affordable and investing more into our community colleges and our apprenticeship programs.
1: And finally, an issue important for most of Northern Virginia is the need for safe and reliable transportation. The area is host to hundreds of thousands that commute here from, um, commute from here to the Washington metro area every day for work. How do we ensure safe, reliable transportation for the area and fixing our infrastructure naturally?
0: Yeah, we've got to invest in our infrastructure. And that's without doubt. You know, that's actually, transportation is really a quality of life issue. Um, You know, parents right now, families are in their cars two and three hours a day round trip trying to commute to work and back. And we have to make sure that we are able to invest in, in transportation and public transportation, fully fund the metro to ensure that, you know, people have better access to public transportation. And we've got to work together to make sure that people aren't sitting in their cars for two and three hours and they're missing you know, soccer games and school plays and the opportunity to help their kids with their homework. It's really a quality of life issue. So, um, I
2: think we should move on to something a little more fun. Some... some (laughs) Some questions, you know, just to shake it up a little sure, bit. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> we're going to give you some rapid fire okay, questions. Okay, all right. I think. So first one, I really want to know, what's your favorite type of
0: food? Mexican food. Ooh, Ooh good choice. That is a good yes, answer. I love chips and queso in particular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. So good. what
1: song is currently on repeat for you?
0: Which song? Oh, that's a good... Unfortunately, um, my daughters have taken over my uh, <laughs> <laughs> my radio in the car, and even on my phone. So they play a lot of Taylor Swift. Oh. Uh, they're six and eight, so oh. they um, they love music, anything they can dance to. We have quite a few dance parties at our house. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate they have, a good dance. Yeah, party. they've taken over the the music in our house. Okay, and
2: if a genie came to you had one wish that had nothing to do with politics, what would it be?
0: I think that uh, if I had one wish, it would be probably around my daughters, making sure they uh, were able to grow up knowing that they were loved and cared for and they had the confidence to do anything in this world they wanted to do. Mm. <laughs> do so you, sweet. Ha- yeah, so... <laughs>
1: A little 180, but do you have any? <laughs> do you have any phobia? Spider, snakes.
0: Uh, I don't particularly like spiders <laughs> or <laughs> snakes, <laughs> uh, but. Probably my biggest phobia is uh, taking Diet Dr. Pepper out of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. Which I know I actually need to do uh, for health reasons, but yeah.
2: We have a Dr. Pepper addict on our hands. Oh my goodness. Okay, so is that your favorite guilty pleasure or do you have something else? Do you like watching
1: reality television sometimes, chocolate? Any other you know, dark chocolate is really good for you, so I'm not going <laughs> to tell you, you know, that's a You know, I'm into pleasure. the health benefits of dark chocolate. That, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, I like to drink a Shiner beer every now and then. Mm, okay. Yeah.
1: What is something your kids love that you despise?
0: Oh, that's <laughs> a really good question. <laughs> oh. Something they love that I despise. Um,
2: a show that's on repeat.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of, like, Live and Maddie and you know those oh, Disney yes. shows on repeat. I didn't know that was still on. Yes. And they're cute the first go round, but we literally yeah. have them on repeat. <laughs> and yeah, I I, I can do without a Live and Maddie and uh what's the other one? Uh, they like uh goodness, it's a Charlie show. Good luck Charlie. Good luck Charlie, that's it. I love that yes. show. It's cute.
2: It's I call cute. that the last good Disney Channel show.
0: That's a really good one. It's a good one. It's good.
2: It's very sweet. I appreciate it.
0: But we have it on repeat. So Mm. (laughs) I have a lot of that in my life.
2: (laughs) Okay. uh, Do you know of any good nicknames that people have had for you?
0: Uh, My nickname growing up was Toy. Uh, My mom used to call me Toy because she thought I looked like a little doll when I was born. So she used to call me Toy. And it stuck. So I, I played soccer growing up. And on the back of my soccer jersey was always toy. Oh, my goodness. Um.
1: <laughs> so if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be?
0: Dead or alive. Let's see. I think I would have dinner with Congressman John Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. He is my hero and um, just an incredible person. And as you all probably know, uh, led the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. And he's someone that just continuously is- inspires me.
2: Absolutely. That's a great choice. Uh,
0: okay, lastly, what public
2: servant inspires you?
0: Outside of Congressman John Lewis, Yeah, I have to pick yes. so many different. <laughs> <laughs> um, President Obama, definitely, and Senator Tammy Duckworth, who is a, a good friend of mine. Uh, but her service to our country inspires me, and uh, she is just fierce as all get out, and I love mm-hmm. it.
1: So we wanted to end with a tougher question. And although President Trump lost the district by 10 points last November, Representative Comstock was reelected by six points for a second term. If you were to be elected to the seat, what would you hope to bring that Barbara Comstock has not?
0: You know, one of the things Barbara Comstock has failed to do is show up in our district. And she has failed to not only meet with constituents and have town hall meetings and do it, discuss the important issues and challenges that many families in our country have. Um, she's also refused to, to vote for our values, and she has a 96% voting record with President Trump. And this is a district, as you said, that Hillary Clinton won by 10 points. Uh, we just elected Governor Ralph Northam, who won the congressional district by about 12 points. And so I think Comstock refusing to, to vote uh, for the values we have in our district, but also refusing to show up as our, our Congresswoman. Uh, we deserve better, and I think ensuring that we are able to represent everybody in the district is really important to me. Uh, we've worked hard not only to show up, but to be in every inch of this district because everyone deserves the right, uh, the opportunity, rather, to be, to be represented. Mm-hmm. And lastly, right
2: before we go, what is the best way for students and anyone listening to get involved in your campaign?
0: Well, we'd love to have students involved. We have a large fellowship and internship program on our campaign. Uh, A lot of our campaign staff is right out of college as well, and so we have a vibrant young community uh, really working hard on this campaign. And our website is Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for congress.com. Uh, please reach out to us uh, through the website, connect with us. We'd love to to have people volunteer. Uh, there's a lot of great opportunities on our campaign uh, to really make a difference, and we'd love to have you.
1: Thank you, Congressional candidate Lindsey Davis Dover for Virginia's 10th congressional district for joining us. We had a pleasure talking to you, and feel free to come back anytime.
2: Thank yes. you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank us. you.